The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Praise God. Appreciated the worship, Pastor Alex. I have preached from this text probably a hundred times. It is one of my favorite texts about the life of the sweet psalmist of Israel. There's only one man called the sweet psalmist, a man after God's own heart. His name is David. And this text has encouraged me for years. And I want to preach to you from it once again. So we'll find our text in 1 Samuel 30. We're going to read, um, let's start in verse 1. Would you stand in honor of the word? That's why we stand up. If you're able to stand, would you please? If you're not able to, just stand up on the inside in honor of the word. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and all those who were there, both small and great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, that's the city of Ziklag, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I've been there. That's no fun. In other words, you're dehydrated because you cried so much and you have no more strength to even whimper anymore and you usually just go to sleep or sit there tormented until you can start crying again. That's where they're at. Verse 5. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine that you come home, your whole house is torched? Minister Trent can imagine it happened to him. Praise God, your family was saved. You come back and you, your wife's gone, your kids are gone, all your stuff's gone, and everything's burned to the ground. And not only that, but all of your homies, all of your brothers that are with you, they're so upset that they want to blame somebody. And I will tell you, in times of emergency and tragedy, it's common for mankind to look for somebody to pin, somebody to scapegoat, and so they look to David, and David is their leader and so they blame him. And so not only is he not know where his sons and daughters are and his wives are and all his stuff is burned, but now all his men, his brothers, and this is not an average band of brothers. This is a very tight-knit group of brothers that have come together. And you can read through Chronicles in different places about how God brought this team together at a place called Ziklag. And they are fed up with it and they want to kill David. So it's, it's a difficult day for David. But David strengthened himself 
in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, notice it's capitalized, answered them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Everybody say, Pursue, pursue. Overtake, overtake, and recover everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Lord, let your word ring with great truth in our ears. That we would leave this place knowing that we've heard from you. Knowing that we've been touched by heaven. Lord, let the effects of this service be far-reaching even into eternity. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have lost many, many, many things in my life, mostly due to my own foolishness in my younger years. I, th I used to say, well, you know, back in the old days, you know, I'm just so thankful there are old days, and I'm thankful I've been serving God now longer than I was in the old days. I lost many things. Has anybody ever lost anything? A house, maybe, a relative, maybe a loved one, maybe you lost a job, maybe you lost your wallet, maybe you lost relationships, I think, are the most painful things to lose. Maybe you've lost a child, like my wife and I. All of us have lost things, sometimes because of theft, sometimes because of our own mistakes, sometimes because of misplacing things. I usually, towards the end of the fast, I just give up my wallet. I just give everything to the wife and hope that I can finish, because I'm just losing everything right about then. Or misplaced stuff. Or bad investment, maybe you made an investment that didn't turn out so well. This text is talking about a very traumatic moment of loss in the life of David. But what's fascinating to me is that God touches David and he has enough insight and wisdom to know that he had to go after God in the midst of his trial. And in the going after God gets a word from God and God uses him to basically get everything back. He recovers all. How many of you wouldn't mind getting all your stuff back? All six of you would be excited about getting everything that was ever stolen from you back. David, uh, let me give you some context here. David is uh, fleeing from Saul. Saul is, uh, is the first king of Israel. And so when all the, the brothers stand before the Seven brothers stand before the prophet. It's interesting to me that the prophet chooses Eliab, who's also like Saul. Head and shoulders above everybody else. Good looking, strong, strapping guy. And the Lord says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he says, ask him if there's somebody else. And of course there is. There's this young man who's out in the, shepherd, out in the fields. And he brings him in and he's the one. I mean, what a day. The youngest, the word youngest, as it says in the scripture, is really the, it's, it's a derogatory term. The youngest in the family and the way that it's used there in the Hebrew, it's derogatory. So they bring him in thinking he's really not that much. He's out there with those few sheep. And yet he's chosen by, he's chosen by God. I want to tell you that God makes his choice not because of any good looks or talent you might have. God makes his choice based upon your heart. God makes His choice. In fact, He defines you by your heart cry, I believe. 
That's why he can say to a Gideon who's behind a wine press, what a sissy. Now in Judges, there's this guy Gideon. Have you ever heard of the story of Gideon? And Gideon's hiding behind a wine press because Midian is causing lots of difficulties and he's hiding behind the wine press because he can't thresh wheat and bring in the harvest without them ripping it off. And so he's there and an angel comes and says, Gideon, mighty man, mighty man of valor. Is he doing the things of valor? No. He's hiding. And he says, mighty man of valor, because in his heart, I believe there was a cry to do something to change these, the Midianites, to bring deliverance. And you guys know the rest of the story. God chose him and raised him up and so on and so forth. Here, David is chosen, and we don't know why, but if you study the life of David, thank you, Pastor Alex. You study his life, you'll see that he killed the lion and the bear. In the, in the valley of Elah, when he was there and he talked, to, he talked to Saul. This is prior to this. He talks to Saul and he says, well, I killed the lion and the bear. Well, I'm going to kill this uncircumcised Philistine with a head that big. I can't miss. And so he goes out and he does just that. You see the hand of God all over him and how he wrote these psalms, I believe, out there with the sheep. A life of solitude. I think solitude's good can be. You just don't stay there. The monastic movement was just a little much. You know what the monastic movement is? The Catholics, they went away to monasteries and they, and they copied the word and they prayed. If everybody did that, the gospel wouldn't be spread around. But thank God for it because of the monastic movement. We have uh, the most accurate historic document on the planet. And uh, the only reason I can say that is because I've, 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 it's been shown. I've studied. You see it. If you don't know that, this is not some book that man wrote. And, and you can prove that. That's a whole other message. That's a whole other series. And so the, the, David here is selected by Samuel, and he's going from pillar to post because Saul is jealous of him. And he wants to kill him. You thought your employer's bad. This guy tries to pin David to the wall with a javelin. And yet he keeps praying his heart. Whoop! And yet Saul being tormented would be eased from his torment. He was tormented by a demon spirit. would be eased by the worship of David. David was a worshiper. Wrote many of the Psalms. And so David is going and running and hiding and so on and so forth. He's come to a place called Ziklag in the text. And there are many that have been brought to him. Now let me read this to you. This is 1 Chronicles 12, verse 1. And these were the men who came to David at Ziklag while he was banished from the presence of Saul, the son of Kish. They were among the warriors who helped him in battle. They were armed with bows and were able to shoot arrows or sling stones right-handed or left. They were kinsmen of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the desert. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, and able to handle the shield and the spear. Their faces were faces of lions. Dude. And they were swift as gazelles in the mountains. Day after day, men came to help David until he had a great army like, put the text up, would you please? It's First Chronicles 12, 22. All these men came to David day after day with all this talent, gifted warriors came. Faces like lions. What does that look like? 
legs like gazelle. They could run like a gazelle on the mountains. And they came to him day after day after day at a place called Ziklag. And it says, so from time to time they came day to day after day to help him until it was a great army like the army of God. Understand that God has an army. So you can't be like something if, you, if there isn't one. We're made in God's likeness and image. Right, because there is a God. Right. And you were made in His likeness and image. There is an army. God has an army. And so they come to David. And so this is just a picture now. And he, he's out doing his thing. And he returns to Ziklag. And the whole thing is torched. And his whole family is gone. Now, what do you do in the midst of great loss, in the great midst of, uh, of painful theft and destruction? What would you do? Listen, what would you do if there was a major catastrophe in America? What would you do if, if we were hit, God forbid, we were hit by missiles from North Korea? What would you do? How would you respond if you lost everything overnight? In one moment. And then all your buddies wanted to kill you because of it. What would you do? Most people fold, fold in the, fold the deck and throw in the towel. David, David found his strength in the Lord. Now, these points here that I hope that you would write down will really help you. David found his strength in the Lord. Where did he find it? In the Lord. Listen, I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for, with the bunch of tough cats I run with. Thankful for my staff. I'm thankful for those that I'm accountable to and those that are accountable to me. I'm so thankful for a bunch of rough and tough leaders and people that pray. And you can find strength from people. And it's a good thing to learn how to do that. But there are times when there's nobody that can help you. And Bubba, you better have some relationship with God. And I believe that there is coming a great shaking to our nation. I believe there's coming a shaking that he's going to shake what can be shaken so that what remains is of him. I believe that. And in that hour, in that day, where will you find strength? David, in his hour of great despair, found strength in God. Do you know how to do that? Ask yourself. It's a rhetorical question. Yes or no? Ask yourself. You say, well, yeah, I, I, I do. I do too. I believe. You've got to practice that. David found strength. Wow. And I think that started in the field with the sheep. He inquired of the Lord. It's the second thing you'll see in the text. To inquire is to ask. I'm making an inquiry. Well, if you inquire of the Lord, you're talking to Him. It's a prayer life. So he finds strength in God, and then he begins to inquire of the Lord. It's interesting that he asked for Abathar, the, high, the priest. Not the high priest, the priest. David, uh, David basically ran from Saul and runs to... Uh, runs to get help, talks to the priests, and the priests helped him. That's when he ate the showbread. Jesus talks about that. And uh, that's where the priest, you know, gives him the weapon of Goliath. The sword was kept like a, like a trophy at the, at the synagogue or the temple. I, I need to go look. The temple's not built, so it would be the tabernacle. It's the place where they worshiped. And so the sword is kept there. And <laughs> he gets the sword and he runs away. And Saul finds out about it and goes and murders the entire, all the priests, 80 of them. 
kills them all. What a psycho. One guy gets away, and he gets away with the ephod. The ephod is a fascinating piece of garment that was uh, ascribed to, subscribed by God to use in worship. It was a breastplate, basically. Well, there's a lot of different definitions. It's, you have to look through the whole thing. Uh, but he would, they would hold that before the ark of the Lord, and, and a stone would glow. In other words... Well, it gets them in the urm and the therm and all of that. I've preached on it before. It's online. I'm going to get you all confused, and I'm going to get myself confused too. Let me get back to the text. He asked for this, this ephod, which would help him to make decisions. They weren't baptized with the Holy Ghost. We don't need ephods or lots. You don't have to roll dice anymore. Certainly don't throw bones. Come on, somebody say amen. Don't talk to the dead. Just talk to God. So he inquires of the Lord. He calls on, he calls on the Lord. Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do. What do you want me to do? My wife is gone. My family's gone. My house is burned. My rough and tough cats want to string me up and stone me. Lord, what do you want me to do? In the times of great difficulty and pain and the great loss, ask what? God, what now? What do you, don't cry, oh God, what do I do? Listen, you could do that all day. That's not going to get you anywhere. Ask God, what? What do you want me to do? Because why is oftentimes the wrong question. If he was to tell you, you wouldn't understand it anyway. I mean, our finite minds, plan, you know, we don't know how planets crash together. I mean, he says light, there's light. We don't really even know that much about it. It's kind of amazing. He creates it all. So he inquires of the Lord, and God gives him a word. He not only gets a word, God says, go ahead, pursue, overtake, and, and recover everything. He not only gets a word, he does the word. Now, that, now that, that, that'll, that'll preach right there. Because lots of, listen, you have the word. You want a word? It's in your hand, I hope. Or on your phone or your tablet or whatever you got. I mean, there's such easy access to Scripture. Now, more than ever before in the history of mankind, you can get in the word. Most people don't know how to wield it. Most people don't know how to stand on it, walk on it. Most people don't know how to wage a warfare with it. But if you'll learn to do that, then God will really prosper you and help you in every area of your life. And so David inquires of the Lord. God speaks to him and says, pursue, overtake, and recover everything. Wow, what a word. Then guess what he does? He does it. Imagine that. He pursues. And he overtakes and he recovers everything. If you talk about pursuing, that's what we're doing when we're fasting. I'm going after God. How about you? I want more of Him. I want to be more like Him. Gosh, I, I've seen some ugly stuff in my heart. Anybody else? Don't raise your hand. You just, you know what I mean? It's like you start fasting, you're like, oh, I'm a jerk. Awesome. I mean, I, I jumped to, over the past couple of days, I jumped to, jumped to, you know, some conclusions that were totally wrong. I just found myself doing some things that I don't usually do. And I'm like, oh, man, cranky, irritated. I'm like, what? Like, oh. You didn't want any counsel for me over the past three days. I'm just telling you. If you got counsel for me over the past three days, you'd be like, get a grip! Pull yourself up by your bootstraps! What's wrong with you? Why don't you fast and pray? <laughs> feel the love. Come on, somebody say feel it. Yeah, no. 
My flesh was in the process of dying. Your flesh is a lot stronger than you think. It's still in process. Putting your flesh down. But David does that. He pursues. He pursues his raiding party. David fought and he recovered everything. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't like to fight. You know, it's an interesting thing. Um, many years ago, I, I came off of hard drugs. And, um, and it was suffering. Now, I won't ask you to give an amen or anything, but I'm just telling you. And so I came into the house of the Lord and I received Jesus and that was real. And I knew that was real. I knew something happened. Then it required that I would have to suffer to resist the pull of all that stuff that I was doing. And the Holy Spirit helping me, but I still had a purpose in my own heart to say, I am going to, I am not going that other way anymore. And there's a, there's a death process. Listen, if there's no death, then there's no resurrection. Some people aren't willing to suffer. What was that first John somewhere? It's in the Bible. <laughs> Those who suffer and resist from sin are, are done with sin and have and they've given their lives to Christ. That's a pretty, you know, somebody's really saved when they, when they suffer even against sin. They, they resist it. And I know we're y'all in process at that, praise God. David pursued them, and then he fought. You know, the text says, and we could go and read it, but the text says that he fought all night. You know, it's crazy that God says you can have something, and then you got to go fight all night for it. I mean, that's kind of amazing. He says, oh, yeah, you can have it. Um, you're going to have to fast. you got to pray. you got to give. you got to go to church. you got to serve. you got to crucify your flesh, press in, claim it, declare it, stand on my word. Then it'll come to pass. And people are like, oh, God, if you love me, you just hook me up. Well, you're just a little spoon-fed, pablum-eating Christian. Oh, you know, you're going to have to do your part. God won't do your part. You have to do God's part. I was talking to somebody today about, about uh, healing and, uh, and counseling stuff and we were talking about how this particular system of counseling and 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 bringing inner healing works really great for those who want to play hardball you know what I mean by that you see some people don't really want to change some people don't really want to pursue some people just they just they, they're like can you just give me the breakthrough while I hold on to all my stuff can I will that work and the Lord's like no pick up your cross daily follow him right you lose your life for his sake, and then you gain it. It's a great paradox. And some folks, they're just trying to hold on. It's like, it's like they have, a, uh, you know, it's like they have a, a, a bunch of TNT, a bunch of dynamite in one hand. The fuse is lit, and they're like, no, Lord, it's really going to be okay. He's like, please, just let it go. Let me help you. No, no, no. I like them. They, I like the smell of it. I, you know, and it's going to blow their innards everywhere. And God's trying to help them, but they want to hold on to their dynamite. You know, as I, I don't even know where I'm going. It's okay. The times are right. It's only 8.30. Jesus, help me. 
Pastor Alex, would you finish this message for me? If you're really going to fulfill the call of God in your life, and I'm going to tell you that every single person here has a call. Every single person has a destiny. Every single one. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, declares the Lord. Not to harm you, but to prosper and to help you. So if you're breathing, you're in this room, you're online, you're listening to the podcast, God has a plan for you. And it's a good plan. It's a great plan. In fact, it's the reason that you were created. And the enemy comes to steal your identity and get you holding on to things that'll blow up your innards because it has momentary satisfaction. But in the end, it'll kill you. And if you're really going to walk in the freedom that God has, if you're really going to recover all the stuff that you lost, and I'm going to tell you, God's going to bring some supernatural recovery to people who have been ripped off, people who have made bad decisions, He's going to turn it around. People who have been involved in things maybe that they shouldn't have and it really hurt them. God is going to bring breakthrough for you in this next year, even in this next these 21 days of prayer and fasting. But you have to do your job. You have to come to the Lord and say, What? What do you want me to do? Inquire of the Lord. He might say, uh, repent. Let go, of the, let go of the dynamite. Let go of that relationship. Some of you are involved in relationships that are nothing but like a hole in your head. And, and they, don't, they have no love for the Lord and don't want to be involved in church, but, but there's an attraction. And many times those attractions are like Velcro. How many of you ever look at Velcro closely? There's fuzz on one side, hooks on the other. Right? Velcro. And so really it's these ungodly ties that bring you together. And the Lord's trying to bring you, this is a word for two or three people at least. The Lord's trying to bring you away from that so he can really bless your life. But you're going to have to choose to cut those ties. And you know when it's, is there little children here? Oh, well. <laughs> let's go. Let's move on. At least I'll shoot, I'll shoot high. All right? When those ties are created that are only meant for marriage, got it? What it creates in an individual is, is a soul tie. It creates a bond around Oh, I'm, I think I'm on somebody's nerve. I can feel it. I feel it in the spirit. Let me just let me let me let me just stomp on it just a little harder. So when that intimacy takes place, that it should only be under the covenant of forever marriage, and it happens outside of marriage. What it does is it brings these ties around you, your heart, your soul, that are called soul ties. They can be defined in many different ways, but it creates an ungodly bond that God can't bless. And when, when, when that cycle runs, and usually it's about two years. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had, you've had boyfriend, girlfriend, that thing. It's about two years. It's about a two-year cycle. Sometimes it runs a little longer, and sometimes it's really long, depending upon what the Velcro's like and different circumstances. And that, that ripping brings a broken heart. Listen, the Lord didn't give us that command even for him. He did it for you. You see, you're so significant, so special with such purpose and destiny that that kind of intimacy should only happen 
with one person the rest of your life. Should start with one person and finish with the one person, and that's it. That's how significant that is. And it's really talking about the mystery of Christ in the church. Now I'm about to really tick somebody off. So when, if you call yourself a believer, I'm not looking at anybody, my eyes are closed. If you call yourself a believer and you unite with another person, then what you are doing is you are uniting Christ with a harlot, is what the text says. You calling my girlfriend a harlot? Well, that is a bad time to get up right there. That's a bad time to get up. But we know you guys. We know you. You're blessed. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that was classic right there. That was good. Don't you put anything on those guys. They love the Lord. They're living right. I know it. Come on, somebody say, don't do it. I challenge you to do what David did. I challenge you to, to pursue, pursue God. Hebrews 13 says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Pursue, pursue God. Go after him all of your life. Make it a lifetime journey. You know, I've been serving him for well, just about 20 years. And I will just tell you that he gets bigger, broader, deeper, wider, stronger every day of every year his love just he's just he's unsearchable he's magnificent and the definition of it there's no one like him and all those things tried to rob you and steal from you and David had it right and if you really study David's life before that he was lying he was manipulating he was running around and really wasn't serving God with all his heart. He lied to the, lied to the uh, Philistines. He, he lied to everybody. He was doing raiding parties and said, said to the Philistines he was raiding Israel. And he was lying to everybody. Let me see if I have this. Anybody else feel that? Or is that just me? Spirit of God is here. I'm almost. Mm -hmm. Yes. Psalm. I got it. 18. Watch this now. Psalm 18. Now let, let me teach you something really quickly. No matter what Bible you have, uh, well, depending upon what Bible you have, it'll, it'll put titles on the top of, of your Psalms, right? So... It says Psalm 18, God the Sovereign Savior. Okay, that God the Sovereign Savior, that's not in the original language. This next part, though, 
this next little paragraph underneath that? Anybody? How many got a Bible? That is in the Hebrew. That is, that's there. So when you read the Psalms, you should always read that. Did you know that? Don't just read the Psalms. Read that first little paragraph. It says, you know, a Psalm of David. So this says, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord all the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and he, he reads through, let, let, me, let me tell you. So the day that he pursued, he found an Egyptian. An Egyptian gave him a, an Egyptian left for dead by the raiding party, gave him a clue. He had mercy on him. That's a clue. You got to have mercy on people all along the way. Help people. Come on, help people. Say it. Help people. Had mercy on the Egyptian. The Egyptian said, I know where they are. And he said, great, they just go, they go, they fight all night. They, they recover everything. And nobody's dead. They get all their wives, sons, stuff. They get all their stuff back. Wow. Do you know that that, that raid on Ziklag and the destruction of his, his uh, base of operations took place three days before he is coronated king? Three days. The guy's going from pillar to post and running three whole days before. And on the third day, he was, he was crowned king of Judah. But on the same day, everybody say the same day. The same day that this battle that he was facing with Saul was the very same day that Saul died. In one day, God wiped out Saul, who was making him run all over the place for his very life. And he overcame the loss of his family. You know what happens is the enemy sees your breakthrough. He knows. He doesn't know everything. But he can sense, I think, and he can see things, and he can see from your actions. And I believe that the enemy knows at times when you're about to have a major breakthrough. So he'll hit you with a ziklag. And I call it ziklag before Zion. He'll hit you with discouragement, hit you with wasted discouragement and, and, and just feeling downtrodden. He'll even have friends turn on you. All kinds of things will happen like that. And if you'll just learn to find your strength in the Lord. Everybody say, find strength in God. Find strength in God. You'll learn to do that. And you'll learn to have a prayer life. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Talk to Him. Let Him talk to you. Spend time. God's longing to touch you, minister to you, heal you, give you revelation in the quiet time that many of you don't have. inquire of the Lord and then when God gives you a word and he's given it to you you say well I've never gotten one well I'll give you one right here there's I don't know how many it's a thousand pages I think it is here it's all good take it when it speaks to you stand on it and use it to take the head off the enemy you can't do that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me simple example he fought all night everybody say you're going to fight fight as long as it takes submit to God resist the devil he will flee say it Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. So if he's still around, if he's still lingering, then you ain't done with submitting and resisting. Right? David did that and recovered everything. And at that same moment in a battle, Saul was killed. Jonathan too, sadly. And David became king. 
And I love what it says in verse 19. And I'll close with this. The Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me. He delivered me because I'm so smart. No. He delivered me because uh, I because of my great prayer life. No. He delivered me because of all of my generous giving. No. He delivered me because I went to church. No. He did, he did, it's none of that. He delivered me, it says, because He delighted in me. And you have to settle it tonight that God delights in you. No matter where you are, you, you might even still have the, the track from the needle who's in your arm last night. He loves you just the same. And He bids you to come. And He calls you. You might be on the rocks in your marriage. You, you might be facing all kinds of difficulty. The Lord will deliver you because He delights in you. You have to get a revelation of God's awesome love for you. How deep and wide and high is the love of God that passes all knowledge. The Lord will help you. And He's going to bring recovery of everything that you've lost. Joel 2, 25. I'll restore all the years. Come on, stand up with me. I'll restore all the years. How many years? All the years that the locusts have taken. I'm, I'm still getting paid back. Anybody yet lost some years besides me? He'll restore how many of them? Don't let up. Don't throw in the towel. Come on, you don't even know. Three days before he's king. Three days. You don't know when your breakthrough is going to come. It could be right now. This could be the third day for some of you. If you want to just agree, come on, we're going to agree together. You say, that's me. I've lost some stuff. I'm believing for, for that. I'm going to say I'm going to pursue. I'm going to overtake. I'm going to cover everything that's been stolen from me. Devil, give me my stuff back. In Jesus' name, if that's in your heart, I want you to come. Just come all the way up to the altar. We're going to pray and decree it and declare it tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, come all the way up to the steps. Makes lots of room, lots of people coming. Hallelujah. I will pursue you. I'll do whatever it takes. Come on, just begin to talk to me. I'll find my strength in the Lord. I'll find my strength in the Lord. I will pursue you. We will pursue you. We'll be a people of prayer. Lord, we'll let go of the of the dynamite, the TNT, to let go of the things that will keep us from worshiping you and loving you with all our heart. Lord, we inquire, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. You'd speak to us during this time of fasting and prayer. You'd speak to us, God. We would be a people that would hear your word, and we would not only hear the word of the Lord, we would act on it, we would obey. Jesus. Lord, we will not turn our back on the battle. We say yes. We know that the battle belongs to you. We know that we've already fight from a place of victory tonight. That you have purchased it ultimately for us at the cross. We enter in tonight in the victory that's been purchased for us on Calvary. We declare that the enemy's power is broken over our families, over our community. In the name of Jesus, sickness go, pain go, broken relationships be restored, lost finances be recovered right now, be recovered right now, debts that, that are owed to us, God we receive, Jesus.
Say tonight, I stand before you, Lord, and I receive your promise of restoration of everything that was lost, everything that was broken, everything that was stolen. In the name of Jesus, I take it back tonight based upon your word of restoration and healing. So I receive it now. And I command every demonic assignment to take your foul hands off of that which belongs to me and to God. You'll not take it any longer. You'll not steal from me any longer. Your power is broken by the blood of Jesus. Say that again. Your power is broken by the blood of Jesus. Come on. 
put your hands together for Jesus. Stop. Come on, put your best hand. Come on. Best hand clap together. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to make sure that everyone's right with God before we close. If you're not, won't you pray this as we all pray together, affirming our faith. Say with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of all my sin and come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as I pray for you and close tonight. Holy Spirit, fill, touch, release your blessing, God, over these. Hunger for the Word of God. A hunger for fellowship. A hedge of protection round about each and every one. And I thank you for the miracles that will come even from tonight's service. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise God. Don't forget our 24-hour prayer time at the barn. Right across from Walmart, up from Sears. Starts at 6 a.m. Friday morning. Goes 24 hours. I'd love for you to come. God bless you. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer and you want prayer, you can say up front, I want the ministry teams and leaders, if you have time, stick around, pray for people that need it. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.